Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katulka. The disciples of Jesus were devout Jewish men who had certain expectations of who the Messiah would be. The ministry of Jesus didn't quite fit into the mold of their expectations. Now, Jesus' ministry challenged the disciples' understanding of the Messiah, but you know, that doesn't mean that their expectations of the Messiah were wrong. Toward the end of his ministry, Jesus shared with his disciples that his ministry isn't over at his death and resurrection, but that he'll come back again, and he'll come back in glory to rule and to reign as the king of Israel, which is exactly the expectations the disciples had for the Messiah from the Old Testament. And that's why today we're going to be looking at Jesus' prophecy of his second coming from the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 25. We look forward to that. And also Dr. Jim Showers, Executive Director here at the Friends of Israel, will be joining us in studio to share about our upcoming National Prophecy Conferences and how you can get involved. Steve, I want to share with you some interesting news that I found online. Um, it comes from Israel 21C, and it's about this Israeli doctor, David Naor, who is a professor at Hebrew University at Hadassah Medical School in Jerusalem. Uh, Professor Naor is working on one drug that could treat Alzheimer's, MS, Crohn's, and more. Professor Naor is developing a special peptide in Israel that fights against chronic inflammatory and neurodegenerative diseases. He believes that within two years, his team will know if their academic product can translate into a therapeutic drug. And let me just share this with you. Here's my take. Before Israel was even founded, the Jewish people highly valued education. You know, instead of investing in oil exports like most of the Middle Eastern countries have, Israel invested in education and innovation of technologies and medicines which are advancing the world into the 21st century. The Jewish community in the days of Jesus definitely had a pretty good idea of what they expected the Messiah to look like, what they expected the Messiah to sound like, and definitely what they expected the Messiah to do. The Jewish community believed the Messiah would come and deliver Israel from the Gentile enemies that oppressed them, and then Messiah would establish a kingdom ruling from Jerusalem, and Israel would be elevated above all the other nations of the world. Well, toward the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, his disciples were starting to get a bit antsy. The disciples' expectations for Jesus were really not being met. And so one day as Jesus and the disciples were near the temple, he said to them in Matthew chapter 24, verse 2, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now remember, the disciples, these are good, devout Jewish men. They understood the significance of the temple and God's plan for what was coming in the future. They knew how to connect the dots between the temple, Jerusalem, the Messiah, and God's judgment. They understood that Jesus was saying, judgment is coming when those stones come tumbling down. Because when God destroys his own sanctuary, he's bringing judgment on his people. So naturally, the disciples say to Jesus, okay, let's get right to it here. What's going on? When, when are you going to come in your glory and power, Jesus? When are you going to come in your messianic power? When are you going to bring the end of the age? This is something the disciples 
are longing for. You can sense it in the way that they're speaking to Jesus. Well, the disciples seize the opportunity to find out from Jesus what's next. They said to him in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, Jesus goes on to explain what the end will look like. This section of the Gospels is called the Olivet Discourse, here in Matthews chapter 24 and 25. Jesus' prophetic teaching from the Mount of Olives, a mountaintop that actually stands to the east of Jerusalem, which really lends a perfect picture of Jerusalem. It's a perfect backdrop for what Jesus is about to tell the disciples. Uh, This is really a moment for the disciples to hear how the expectations they as Jewish men had for the Messiah and and what will be coming uh, in the end. Well, toward the end of Jesus's teachings from the Mount of Olives, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So right away, what we see is that Jesus is connecting himself with a prophecy that's actually found in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, a prophecy of the divine Son of Man who is riding on the clouds of glory, uh, to whom God will give dominion and power and honor to rule over all of the nations of the world. And because he's been given that power, Jesus continues on in verse 2, and he says this, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In the Old Testament, The king of Israel, the the one who is given authority and power and dominion, is often connected to or associated with a shepherd. The prophet Ezekiel envisioned someone from the line of David who would be the shepherd for the people of God. Just listen to what Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 23 says. Uh, God says this to the prophet Ezekiel, I will set one shepherd over them, talking about the nation of Israel. I will set one shepherd over them. He will feed them, namely my servant David. He will feed them and will be their shepherd. So remember, Jesus comes from the lineage of King David. He has the credentials to shepherd God's people, to lead them. And remember, even Jesus in John chapter 10, remember he says, I am the good shepherd. That's connected right to Ezekiel chapter 34. But in Ezekiel, it also says that God will separate his flock. Listen, in verse 16, it says this, I will seek the lost and bring back the strays. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong of the flock, I will destroy. I will feed them, listen to this, I will feed them with judgment. Even in the prophet Ezekiel, the prophet is showing that within this concept of shepherding a flock, that God divides the flock 
and some receive God's grace, those that are broken and have been taken advantage of and, and have been injured, he's going to bring them back into the flock. The ones that have actually gotten cast away and have left the flock, he's going to bring them back. And the others who have taken advantage of those who have been left out, who have been injured, the ones that have gotten fat, it says, they will receive God's judgment. The sheep here in Jesus's message to the disciples are considered righteous and the goats are considered condemned. It's actually fascinating. When, when scholars are looking at how a shepherd would shepherd the sheep and the goats, they would actually be together during the day. Uh, th- these sheep and goats would remain together, and it was up to the shepherd to know which one were the sheep and which one were the goats. And at certain times, they had to separate them to make sure they were taken care of properly. So, so the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. What makes, in Jesus' story here, what makes someone righteous? What makes you a sheep and not a goat in in this prophecy that Jesus is laying out? Well, Jesus goes on and says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger or welcome you or, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40 says this, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus took an opportunity to connect himself to his people in a future biblical event. Why would people be suffering so much? This is, why are people naked? Why are they, why are they sick? Why are they in prison? Why are they being persecuted? Why are they thirsty? You know, this is a question that you should be asking yourself. Well, well, Jesus is actually talking about a time of great trouble. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. Other, others in the Bible, including Jesus, in this section of the Olivet Discourse, actually call it the tribulation, when God's judgment is being poured out on earth. And, and Jesus is speaking actually to those Gentile nations and people who are watching the Jewish people suffer. And he's saying, you are considered righteous because you took a risk to help the least of these, my brothers. These are the Jewish people. This whole thing, this whole passage here in Matthew chapter 25 speaking specifically to the Gentile nations, how God is going to judge the Gentile nations. These are not Jewish people who are being judged. Remember, right up front in the very beginning, it says this, as as, as Jesus has taken his seat on the throne as the king of Israel, and he's ruling in glory and honor, it says before him, he will gather all the nations. Those nations, that's, that's those are non-Jewish people. Those are the goyim, Those are the Gentile nations. And so Jesus is talking about Gentiles, non-Jewish people who ministered to the Jewish people during their most difficult time during the tribulation. 
In fact, Jesus' prophetic teaching on the judgment of the sheep and goats is is reminiscent of Joel's prophecy in Joel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, which says this, For behold, in those days at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, that's essentially saying when Jesus takes his seat on the throne as the king of Israel, he says this, I will gather, verse 2 of of the prophet Joel, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage, Israel. Did you hear that? That that God is actually going to enter into judgment with the Gentile nations because of the way that they interacted, helped, or didn't help his people, the Jewish people. God says in Joel chapter 3 that he will judge the nations based on how they treated them during this time. And, and, And think about this. All of this falls back on Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, when God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. This promise, I believe, is an eternal promise that stands even through the darkest moments of God's judgment. You know, a modern example of this, I was thinking about how how can I connect this so that you can see how it gets worked out as God is separating the sheep, the righteous ones who help the Jewish people from the goats, uh, those who turned a blind eye, who essentially became anti-Semitic in some way. Well, a modern example of this can be seen by those righteous Gentiles who actually risked their lives to save Jewish people or to speak out against Jewish persecution from the Nazi regime. You know, Christians like Corey Ten Boom, uh, Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, to men like Oscar Schindler, who risked everything to stand up for their Jewish friends and even strangers. So it's a reminder to us that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, is it's not just a promise contained in the Bible, but it's a promise to the Gentiles that blessing Israel and the Jewish people in, in the good and the bad today and in the future is at the heart of what the scriptures teach. Now listen, when we come back, I'm going to invite Dr. Jim Showers into the studio to talk about this year's National Prophecy Conferences. This year is going to be all about the Olivet Discourses, the, the prophecies of Jesus, those those unfulfilled expectations that the disciples felt will be met when Jesus comes back once and for all. And so this year's National Prophecy Conferences will be looking at Matthew chapter 24 and 25 and how you can understand what Jesus's prophecies were all about for Israel and the Jewish people and you. So be sure to stick around. We've been learning about what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25 in the Olivet Discourse. In Matthew 24, 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The disciples of Jesus were just as eager then as we are today to know the timing of his return as king. In his book, The Sign of His Coming, theologian Dr. Reynolds Showers dives deep into this prophetic passage and gives clarity to this often misunderstood topic. You can get your copy of The Sign of His Coming at foiradio.org or by calling our listener line at 888-343-6940. Once again, that's foiradio.org or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. 
I just finished teaching on the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 25, and I thought I would take this opportunity uh, to bring Dr. Showers, the executive director of the Friends of Israel, in studio to talk about our national prophecy conferences. And, and the reason that I wanted to take this opportunity is because this year, our national prophecy conferences actually focus on the Olivet Discourse, the, the teaching, the prophecies of Jesus as they relate to his coming and the actual words of Jesus and what he had to say about his coming in the future. And so, uh, Jim, great to have you in the studio. Well, thanks for inviting me today, Chris. Let's first talk about our national prophecy conferences. Uh, where are they and uh, how can people find out how they can get involved and come to one of our uh, annual national prophecy conferences? Well, we hold three conferences. In July, we hold one in Winona Lake, Indiana. In September, we hold the same conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And then at the end of September, uh, we have a conference up in Winnipeg, Canada. So uh, we take this conference three different locations, but it's um, it's easy to get information on it, Chris, if you simply go to our website, foi.org. Now, the conferences this year, all of them are uh, the same. They're all going to deal with the Olivet Discourse. Correct. The, 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 the pro I like to call them the prophecies of Jesus. Jesus giving us his words on what to expect uh, in, the, in the end of the age, his coming and glory and power. Can you share a little bit about what our people can expect to hear uh, as it relates to the Olivet Discourse? And why was this important to you? Well, it, it's important for a number of reasons. Uh, as you study over Matthew 24 and 25, you know, you get a real sense of what was going on in the hearts and minds of the disciples of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the men that he invested the most time in during his first advent here on earth. And it's drawing to the end. It's in the last week of his time here on earth. And we know that every day Jesus, during that last week, would leave Bethany, cross over the Mount of Olives down into the Kidron Valley and up into the temple in the city of Jerusalem. And on one particular day, Jesus had been contending with the religious leaders in the temple. And he talked about the temple being destroyed. And as he was leaving the city and heading up over the Mount of Olives, he sat down. And his disciples came to him, four in particular came, and they, they questioned. They couldn't perceive what he was talking about, how such a massive structure, you know, the temple was, we're told, was the largest physical structure in the Roman Empire, in all the Roman Empire. That's right. And they're trying to get their arms around what he's saying. And they had a particular question. So it's really a two-part question that Jesus decided to answer, which is, what will be the sign of your coming? And secondly, what will be the end of the age? What is the sign of the end of the age? Now, a lot of people think, well, they were asking about the end of the church age, but the church didn't even exist in that time. Uh, it was it was before they could understand what the church was and what it was going to become. It hadn't, hadn't begun. They weren't thinking of the end of the church age. They were thinking of the end of the pre-Messianic age. The Messianic age is that period of time yet to come when Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, is going to come and he is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem uh, over the earth as God's appointed, designated uh, uh, regent 
to rule over the earth in God's restored kingdom here on earth. We're going to be back to the beginning like it was before the fall. And so uh, they're curious to know, when is this age prior to that age going to come to an end? Because the next thing that will come is that age. And we all desire that age. You know, I like to also think along the lines that the disciples themselves, they already, as good Jewish men uh, who knew the scriptures, already had in their mind a preconceived understanding of what the Messiah would do. Yes. And, you know, I'm sure Jesus threw them um, for a loop a little bit in the way that he came in his first coming. But this is a moment for him to say, all those expectations that you had about the Messiah will come to fruition, not in this time, but at my coming. And I, and I think when they are looking at the temple, when he's talking about the destruction, all of these things are, are going off in the disciples' minds that all of this is talking about Jesus is leading to this anticipation and expectation of what they really thought the Messiah would bring. And we know this this is a concept they fully understood uh, and anticipated because a few weeks later, when Jesus meets them there in Acts chapter 1. They're waiting for it. It's the question, yeah. are you at this time going to usher in the kingdom to Israel? Bring in the kingdom. And he doesn't say no. He never says no. He simply says, that's not for you to worry about. That's right. I have another job for you to do. That's right. That is to build my church. That's right. And I, th- I come back to the end of Matthew uh, in, where Jesus instructs them to go forth and make disciples, teaching them all that I've taught you. Why is the Olivet Discourse really important if it's about future events? That may be a, an honest and good question people have. And I'll tell you why I think it's very important. Because it's dealing with... Uh, the next major phase of Jesus' ministry, which is his second coming. His disciples were curious to know when he's going to return. They understood at that point, he'd been telling them, I'm going away and then I'll come back. And so they wanted to know, how will we recognize when you're going to come and you're going to end this age? And so if it was important for his disciples in that day, I think it's just as important for his disciples in this day to understand those words. And that's why this this year's prophecy conferences are national prophecy conferences in Winona Lake, Indiana, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Winnipeg, Canada. Our friends, our neighbors in Canada, we've got a conference for you too. Um, Jim, any final words on on, on encouraging um, our listeners to come participate and, and to really uh, come and hear all these amazing messages uh, of, of the prophecies of Jesus? Well, I want to invite everyone who's listening to seriously consider coming Let's open up the word together. Let's discover what Jesus said and what, it, what the implications for that are for us today. And folks, you can find out more information about our National Prophecy Conferences, how you can get involved by, as Jim said, simply going to foi.org. We look forward to seeing you there, and we are thankful, Jim, for this upcoming conference and, and the messages that will come from the Olivet Discourse. Thanks so much for being in studio, Jim. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. As we close, Chris, I was thinking, after hearing you teach on the Olivet Discourse, what's the significance of two comings? 
People may be thinking Jesus came here once, but why does he need to come again? Yeah, you know, um, really, if, 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 you, if you remember, we talked about this idea of expectations that the disciples had. And, and I, I believe that their expectations were biblical expectations, that the Messiah would come and he would judge the world, he would judge the nations, uh, he would establish his rule and reign as the king of Israel over the world, uh, which is exactly what Jesus was was showing the disciples that he would do in the Olivet Discourse, in the prophecy of his second coming, and all of that really in order to fulfill what the Old Testament had prophesied about the coming of the king of Israel. Before we go, if you have not subscribed to Israel My Glory, you can get a full year at no cost Visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.